0: The door? Okay. All right. Okay, if you would please turn to the book of Psalms. Psalm 4. I'll be reading the fourth psalm. the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men. Amen. How long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. And there are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine about. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inerrant, and Holy Spirit-inspired word through His prophet and king, David. And so, Father, we sit this morning as the congregation, as a sheepfold, under Your hand and the hand of our great shepherd and His words. So work in us this morning by the same Spirit with which David prayed and then sang that we would pray and we would feel and we would as we sang this morning above all else draw near to you we thank you for your faithfulness to the gospel And to your holy word. To do in us and with us what is pleasing in your sight this morning. To the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There. There's a way. To practice. Religion. That is just unreal. It's just perfunctory. It's just going through the motions without an open, vulnerable heart that feels, that, that desires, that feels joy, and feels gratitude, feels anger, feels fear, feels frustrations. The Psalms as a whole, they're meant... To shake us out of just playing with God. They model to us how to be real. They're put to music. They're put to melody. In in, in order to cause that that human thing within us. To reach the, the core of our being through the gift. Of music that visceral, emotional, feeling along with thinking aspect of our souls. And to bring it all up to God. The Psalms give us courage and boldness. There are so many, I, I would never pray. Because I'm so insecure. I would never pray like David at times. Unless I see David prayed that way. And God affirmed it. Now this is the fourth week through some psalms. Don't know how many, but it's one, two, three, and four. And so far i got to say that the organization of this songbook of Israel seems to be pretty intentional so far. We've gone through Psalm 1 and Psalm 2, and thus we have seen that God knows the way of the righteous, and that God has promised to the Messiah to give Him the whole world to rule over it sovereignly in power. And last week, we cracked open Psalm 3, and this morning, Psalm 4 only to feel like the world is falling apart in our own lives or in David's kingdom or in our culture today now in Psalm 4 we're not sure of the historical circumstances of David's prayer whether it is still the circumstances of Psalm 3 when the insurrection of Absalom was happening and David's running for his life. It may be or it, it, it may not be in the context of that military coup. But whatever the trouble was, whatever he was going through, after the fact, his prayer was considered valuable to the congregation of Israel in its worship. As the heading shows. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. In other words, put this poem, put this prayer, put these words to music so God's people can sing it and feel it and be corrected and formed by the content of this song. Music leader, take this poem and put it to the harp and the lyre. The stringed instruments, probably meaning no percussions in this one, or wind instruments. We read in 1 Chronicles 23. Let's go historically at this time now, for instance, to get a taste of of Israel and under David and the kingdom. And the temple's not built yet, but the sacrifices, they're going on. The Levites are doing their jobs and the priesthood of Aaron. And we read this. 24,000 of these, the Levites, David said, shall have charge of the work of the house of the Lord. 6,000 shall be officers and judges, 4,000 gatekeepers, and 4,000 shall offer praises to Yahweh the Lord with the instruments that I have made for praise. To the choir master, with stringed instruments, A psalm of David. Sing it. Sing what? What we see here. David was in a predicament. David is desperate for God to answer his prayer. And we see in it, he is filled with a childlike confidence. In addressing God as verse 1 shows. Because he refers to God here in verse 1 as the God of my righteousness. Now what does that mean? Let's start with what should be obvious to us believers who read our Bibles... David, obviously, if you know what he says about himself with his own words, you know the story of David. He obviously does not mean I'm sinless. He doesn't mean I'm perfect. He knows the need of God's grace and mercy And the ordained blood sacrifices of his time for his sin. So why does he appeal to Yahweh as the God of my, David's righteousness? What is he saying? I think it's clear. He's appealing to God's character. Knowing God loves righteousness, does what is right. And he hates evil. He hates what's wrong. And David is saying, because in this situation, I'm right. Even though many, many voices are calling me wrong and evil. Or if it was last week's, remember just yelling at David again and again. Yahweh's judging you, you scumbag. And he's hearing the words, but he's saying, you called me. In this situation, the slander is wrong. I am morally right. In this case. And many of us Christians in America today who hold to the gospel of Jesus. And thus we hold to biblical sexual morals. We are considered by the predominating religion of secularism. As ungodly, horrible, unloving people. and So as aliens... And strangers in this society we cry out with David oh God of my righteousness meaning of my of my standing for the truth revealed in scripture for what is right you answer. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have in the past given me, David, relief when I was in distress. So I'm asking again, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. I've been in tough situations before and so have every one of you Christians. And you've been in valleys Do what David does here. Think back. Longer many of us have been believers for decades. We have lots of them. He has been faithful to pull you out of the miry mud again and again. And you might feel you're in the mud. Be gracious to me again. Show Your grace. The power of Your grace to me now. So notice the lesson. As we saw last week in David's prayer, he begins with God. He begins with God's character. He's saying righteousness What is right and good that You have revealed, O Lord? That's what You're about. That's important to You. And in this case, I'm standing for what is right. And then He remembers that mercy. Do it again, O Lord. And then from that prayer now, in Psalm 4, David turns to teaching. He turns to warning others in verses 2 to 6. First in verses 2 to 3, he speaks to slanderers. O men, how long shall my honor David, my honor, my glory, Kavod, how long shall my my honor as king here be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know this, that Yahweh... The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. Yahweh hears when I, David, call to him. They're bringing false, vain, empty charges against David. They're mocking his honor, his glory, and they are pure lies. They seek after lies. Selah. Okay, I didn't comment on it last week and you'll see it through a bunch of Davids, that word. And why don't I normally quote it when I'm reading the psalm? Because it's not part of the poem. We actually don't really know what it means. It's a very old word back in the 900s B.C. at least. But we're pretty persuaded what it is is a musical marker. Exactly what it's marking has been lost. Maybe it's some kind of a, a pause, an interlude. Give time to think about what's just said, but that's what the word selah. Is when you see it. A musical marker. So now back to the content. Of what they're singing. What's David's defense? To Yahweh. Verse 3. But know this. Those who lie about me. Know. That. The Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. David's referring to himself. Those who are setting themselves against David are to know something. Recognize that Yahweh has chosen me. That's really at the core of what he's saying here. The emphasis of what is translated with the ESV is, is godly, is not the emphasis on David. It's the Hebrew word chasid, which is very close to that word used tons of times of God's loving kindness, hasid, in in Hebrew. In other words, I am the object of God's covenant, love, that mercy. David, in other words, and as he clearly says, is set apart. God has acted. God has set me apart. He's the one who has poured out his steadfast love upon me. David received Yahweh's care in what we know as the Davidic covenant for instance go back again to the historical book of 2 Samuel chapter 22 and David sang this song there in chapter 22 verses 50 to 51 he ends the song for this I will praise you O Yahweh among the nations and sing praises to your name great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed to David and his offspring forever that's why David has special protection that's why he says but you better know that the Lord Yahweh has set apart the godly me for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Not everybody is separated unto Yahweh, but David is. And every person walking planet earth today who find themselves in Christ Jesus. Who find themselves having been sanctified. Or big word for set apart in Christ Jesus. Who is the promised Son of David. They are separated unto Yahweh. And as a result, they all, along with David, have special access to Yahweh. The Lord, or Yahweh, hears when I call to Him. David teaches each of us Christians that our weapon against slander, Against the accusations that flow through your own mind against you, dear sinner, who loves Jesus. The weapon is to to know how God views you. Because of God separating you. Not because of you. Because of the God Who called you And that's why you will awoke With faith In Jesus Christ The weapon Is to trust His announcement in Jesus In the gospel concerning you and to hold on to what he has said about you because you are one of his covenant people. Here's a way Paul gives it to us. Know the truth of this in Romans 8:33 to 35. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Answers, no one successfully. Because your sin has been paid for. It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who, who is at the right hand of God right now. Who indeed is interceding for us. So who should separate us from the love of Christ? Should tribulation? Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or danger? Or jail? Or an execution with a sword? No. Nothing. Nothing shall be able to separate us from the loving kindness, has said, of Yahweh in Christ Jesus our Lord. The more Antichrist American society is becoming, the more you are going to be reviled for being faithful to Jesus, for being faithful to the truth that there are only two sexes, according to science and biology. The more you will be reviled for being faithful to the truth that all sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman is sin. And none of that persecution changes the fact that we are in covenant with God through Jesus Christ. As David proclaims, but know that the Lord has set apart The godly for himself. The Lord hears when we call to him. Life is filled with trials, with frustrations, with tragedies, with heartaches, with distress. And so, what we do as his called is we go straight to God daily. Verse one, Answer me, when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear. And he hears. And then David turns and he instructs us faithful in our anger. Anger at persecution. Anger at slander. Verse 4, be angry. And do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds. And be silent. If one of your default sins is being a hothead. It's me. Then this. This. Is valuable advice. Now, in the context here, historically, David seems to be talking to those who were on his side. But they're furious at what's going on with David's enemies. Or they're furious at what's going on with the state of California. Or with the health department of the county of Los Angeles. Or with school board after school board in this country. Anger rises. The word translated anger here is ragaz. And it means to shake or to quake or to tremble. With fear or, depending on the context, with anger. You can be so angry that you just quake. And that's what he means here. Now, he says be angry. Because anger is in and of itself not necessarily sinful. Just as, let me give you an example. Just as to hate is not necessarily sinful. That's why one of the stupidest lawn signs in our day is I am against hate. Really? You don't hate cancer? You don't hate death? You don't hate the North Korean government? You don't hate the gulags of China right now? You're kidding me. See, sometimes to not hate is sinful. Sinful. Amos 5.15 declares, and in the imperative mood, hate, evil, love, good. Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is, now you wait for it, because you don't want to be a person who doesn't have the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Okay, let's go back to anger. So David tells us, yes, there are things that should make us angry. But his counsel now is, watch it. Don't allow that righteous Anger, If it's righteous anger, we do have sinful anger. It comes straight from sin, and it isn't righteous. Got that? That's out of the way. Thank you. We all deal with that to one degree or another. But your righteous anger, He's saying, don't let it morph into sin. And you ask, how? What do we do? David's answer is the second half of verse 4. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Shut your mouth. Often the secret to keep anger from turning to sin. Before you speak, make sure it's appropriate. Keep your dialogue first and foremost to yourself before God. Ponder in your hearts, on your bed, in your bedroom, away from others. Yes have the internal dialogue. But many of those feelings mixed with the thoughts evidently should not be made public. I'm just going to keep it like that. Where are those lines? That's why we're all desperate in our daily lives for our relationship and fellowship prayer life with God. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. That's the first thing we ought to do when anger rises up within us. And then, verse 5, offer right sacrifice. Have your hearts right in your worship of God and put your trust in the Lord. David is not calling for us to be in denial. Just repress your, your, your angry feelings. That's not the point. That's not what he's saying What he is saying is recognize the need to control your anger with faith-filled trust in Yahweh. Put your trust in the Lord. One avenue of, of walking in the Spirit when we feel anger rising up within us because of Persecution or unjust slander or suffering. It, it is to keep your mouth shut and keep your heart open before the Father and admit all of your thoughts and your feelings and pour them out as you lie there alone on your bed. And then David addresses the believers who are being overcome with despair. Verse 6. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us Oh, Yahweh. Oh, Lord. In other words, Lord, things seem to keep getting worse lately. Not better. It seems like so many that I care about are being hit again and again and again. Or, how many in my own small circle of life have to die this summer? Or, are we Americans really losing freedom of speech and freedom of assembly? Are we really losing our public educational systems to demonic antichrist powers? Is the idea of the American experience with the Bill of Rights really being destroyed before our eyes? There are many who say, Who will show us some good? So if you feel it, then feel what David says to it. His mind then goes to the tabernacle worship. It goes to the blessing pronounced again and again and again by the priest upon the congregation on a regular basis. In other words, his thoughts go to number 6 Verses 22-26 The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron, the high priest, and his sons, the priesthood, saying this, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. And so David takes that benediction and he turns it into a prayer. The prayer in the mouth of anything good, it's falling apart, but lift up. The light of your face upon us, O Lord. It is not just a blessing to announce the end of the public worship service to David, he believes the power of the blessing. Turn to prayer. So in Psalm 4, David gives a warning and counsel. First, to those who stand in the wrong, the slanderers. Then to the angry. And to the despairing. And then, he turns back to praying directly to Yahweh again in verses 7 and 8. You have put more joy in my heart than they have with their grain and wine when they abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. David bathes in the Lord's joy. This is not a worldly joy. This is an otherworldly joy. He says, you, O oh Yahweh, placed it in my heart. You put that joy And so he says, when when others, they have gladness because their business in the grain industry is booming. Or they're so thrilled because they got five vacations this year. And they just have gladness. Or they've had five glasses of wine and they're feeling really good. David says, with all of that even, I have more joy by the indwelling of your spirit in my heart. David would fully agree with the apostle Paul if he were on this side of the cross when Paul declared in Romans 15:13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, in trusting in him So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. David had a deep-seated joy in the midst of trouble. Verse 1, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You, you have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Verse 7 You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. And that brings a deep. I will both lie down and sleep. Many of us know what it is to lie down. Three hours later, we haven't slept. I will both lie down and sleep. Why? For, because, you, you alone, O oh Lord, make me or cause me to dwell in safety. Now that's weird. <laughs> you know, the way Paul takes that is what if they jail you What if they run a sword through you? He says, you're safe. They can't win because of the gospel of Jesus. This life is but a vapor. Jesus was raised from the dead forever. The God, man, The Savior. And he will return. And all who are in Christ Jesus. Will be raised to eternal life. To enjoy the glory of God. In expanse. Forever. And ever. So like we saw last week in Psalm 3. When Absalom. And his army. Were seeking David to kill him. And what did he do? He went to sleep. As he says here, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep in the midst of a storm. And one day, almost a thousand years later, David's descendant, the son of David, literally fell asleep in a 30-foot boat in the midst of a storm on the sea. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep, because you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. Oh, dear believer, pursue experiencing peace. There are storms coming this week. Lots of little ones. Hopefully no big ones, but they're coming. Cry out. Let me walk with you in the peace that surpasses human understanding. In the midst of this cauldron of fire and death and the present evil age. How? It's through trusting his loving care. That's what he means. Because you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. you're in Christ and if you're not come to him and you will find yourself to be in Christ and carved into the palm of your creator's hand with unimaginable care and love throughout this life in sanctification and and Forever and ever and ever in the unimaginable resurrection and what on God's green earth does it even mean to be without sin? I don't know, but it's coming. All because of and through the work of Jesus, the Messiah, his death and resurrection. Father, may we find our faith, our trust growing through your word and in our prayer lives and in our family lives and work lives in the midst of the society. Wean us from love of the world. Cause it to grow as your servant David's faith grew grew through life. It grew through trial. It grew through experiencing your grace and your deliverance again and again delivered from anxiety to fall asleep even though the storm still rages to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Let us stand.